You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus and i got an email from dominique and she was like hey can you be in new york on monday so i took a, a bus in the middle of the night got down there um but I, I i honestly didn't know who i was auditioning for or what slot was up uh it wasn't until i got the offer that it was for Smokey Robinson. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to see what it's like to interact with a coach online, you can go to builtforthestage.com for a free trial, or you can just click the link in the description of this episode. If you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a message, swipe up, double tap, whatever platform you're on, we appreciate it. Thanks again to our producing team, Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at bpn.fm. All right, as always, we have an exciting guest for you. Actually, an kind of OG to build for the stage. We got to talking way back in, it was July of 2018. Uh, here we are in the mystical land of 2021, and we're excited to bring on Christian Thompson. Christian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's so great to be here. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Everyone uh, listening, uh, Christian made his Broadway debut in Ain't Too Proud, and he's currently still with the show, playing the role primarily of Smokey Robinson, correct? Yeah, that's right. Smokey Robinson and Damon Harris in Act Two. Gotcha, gotcha. We're going to get into that in just a second, but for those of you that listen a lot to Bill for the Stage podcast, you know that we just like to kind of get the backstory on how the actors made their debut and just the journey they took to get there. So, Christian, let's rewind to that. And um, first, you went to Penn State, right, for your degree in musical theater? Yeah, I got uh, my BFA in, in musical theater from Penn State, graduated in 2015. Okay, very good. All right, so it's 2015. You get out of school and you book Broadway, right? Is that how it happened? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I've, I've got a couple of friends that, you know, that's kind of how that went, but it was not the case for me. Um, I graduated and actually stuck around State College, which is where Penn State is, for a few months. And it wasn't until um, probably about 
I would say three months after I graduated that I booked a regional production of Dream Girls. Um, but while I was still in school, I also booked a cruise. So I was waiting for that cruise to start up. Uh, and I did After Midnight, which is this massive dance show um, choreographed by Warren Carlyle uh, on Norwegian Escape. It was a brand new ship. Uh, and that was cool. Um, so that's the first thing I did. And I did that for five and a half months. Um, until I got injured on, on that, on that contract. Um, after that, I jumped on the rent tour and I did that. for. How, how was overcoming? Was the injury major? Did it take a long time to recover? How was, how was that? It was pretty serious. Um, it, I, um, partial, it was a partial tear in my adductor in my right adductor. Um, so for a dancer, that's, uh, that's a lot, you know, um, and I was doing the role I was doing was uh, Tap Brother too, so it was uh, based off of the Nicholas Brothers. So of course we had a bunch of those jazz splits and like, like jump three sixty, like land in a split, come on back up and keep tapping, uh, which was really cool, but real hard on a cruise ship, you know. And you'd do it, and then sometimes the floor would meet you early or not be there when you thought it would be because the ship's listing. <laughs> um, you know, it was fun. It was a good time. Um, but yeah, so it took a while. I, I'm still dealing with some of the uh, the fallout afterwards. If I dance too much in a day, I'll start to feel like just a little fatigue. It gets tired earlier now. So I'm still working on rehabbing it uh, correctly because I, I didn't get the proper uh, rehab kind of right off the bat than uh, the physical therapy that I probably should have been. But we're working on it now. So, you know, uh, all, all things pointing up for the future. Um, but it How was it was tricky. Yeah, how was that? You know, we're all on a break right now, a forced break. Um, but a lot of times, plenty of performers go through injuries and are also put on forced break. How have you, did you learn anything from that experience that you kind of used uh, during the pandemic or vice versa? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and just maybe some, uh, some inspiration or insight for those listening that might be struggling. Yeah, um, that's a uh, that's a fantastic question. I'm gonna try to put the put these thoughts together, say something smart. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to. It's my new favorite word, which is pivot. Right. Um, I had to focus on other things. Right. I couldn't lean on my dancing. I couldn't just walk into a a, a dance call and know I'd get a call back, which is what I I could do. You know, I was like, that's the thing. I know I can make happen um, where all of a sudden I had to focus more on my acting and my singing. And, you know, at that time, cause there were still auditions and stuff to be had. Um, and so, and that's how I booked the, the rent tour, you know, um, where there wasn't too much dancing, I thought. Uh, and then I booked Benny and realized that he has a major dance number in, uh, in contact. Uh, but other than that, it was, it was definitely something where I had to relook at, uh, who I was and, and what I was as an artist, right? And what defined me. Uh, so I think it's always a good idea to reevaluate, to take some time and reevaluate and, you know, maybe try something different. You know, if you know, you think of yourself as that dancer, dancer, maybe it's time to, you know, make sure you're in those, those singing lessons. Cause sometimes we can feel so good about training the thing we're good at that we forget to train the other things. Um, especially in musical theater, you know, we've got to be triple, quadruple threats. You know, we're out here singing, dancing, acting, and 
like yourself, personal training, you know, so we're <laughs> trying to do it all. Um, and it's important to, to, you know, to make sure that you're working out both the strengths and the weaknesses. Love that. It was a great response. No pressure there. Nailed it. Well done, but no pressure in the future of, of this conversation. All right, let's go. You talked about a little bit uh, being a road warrior in Rent on tour. So you did cruise ship. You did the tour life. What brought you to the Ain't Too Proud audition? Tell us about just that pursuit of booking Broadway. Yeah, so... Um we actually have to rewind even further to really get this full story. So while I was at Penn State, uh, I met Dominique Mariso because she came in, she was commissioned to do a piece uh, for Penn State. And through happenstance in certain situations, uh, I became the only undergraduate student in this, this uh, graduate uh, performance uh, show called Blood at the Root. So it was myself five graduate uh, actors, and Dominique and Steve H. Broadnax III, who uh, has his first Broadway show coming whenever we open again in uh, Thoughts for a Colored Man, uh, of a Colored Man. And so we created this show together called Blood at the Root, and we got to see the world with it. We went to Edinburgh and South Africa and uh, Australia, and we, we got to do a lot of cool things with that. But so I... I I made a, a personal connection to Dominique. She became like a mentor to me. Um, so when I was on the road, I had reached out to her about doing Pipeline because that was going to the Lincoln Center. And um, that didn't work out. And then we were in Buffalo, I think it was, with Rent. And I got an email from Dominique and she was like, hey, can you be in New York on Monday? So I took a, a bus in the middle of the night, got down there, um, auditioned for I don't even know if they were using ain't too proud as the name at the time I think it was still uh the Motown project or something like that or the Detroit project um but I knew it was a bunch of Motown songs you know they had all that but I I, I honestly didn't know who I was auditioning for or what slot was up uh it wasn't until I got the offer that it was for Smokey Robinson and uh and it wasn't until the second read-through that I knew that I was playing Damon Harris, um, which was a big shock for me. We went through the first read-through and nobody read for Damon. And so I like went to stage management. I was like, I'm sorry, but are we like missing somebody? What's, what's happening here? And they were like, oh, no, that's you. I was like, oh, great. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, uh, it really was uh, just... Uh, just a happy blessing of, you know, having met someone so influential that, uh, and made a, a real connection with, and, uh, yeah, I got an email, got a bus and, you know, wound up, you know, what was it? Two years after we started on Broadway. Wow. Did you have a good feeling from the start or when you first got there, did you think it was just going to be, you know, any any other shot in the dark of like, yeah, I'll put my name out there, but you know, I don't know if it'll actually happen. Well, it was so interesting because there seemed to be a buzz around the show from the get-go. So before I had joined, they had done a workshop in New York and uh, that had gone off really well. Um, but I mean, it was, it was you know, Dez uh, and Sergio and Dominique and 
Robert Brill was doing the the set design and it was Paul Taswell costumes. And so it was just this like powerhouse of a creative team where I was like, wait a minute. You know, um, we had Howard Blinkley, uh, rest in peace, doing lighting. You know what I mean? It was just one of those things where there was just too much energy behind it. Um, so from early on, we knew that that was the goal, that this was not a show that was uh, just being created to be created. There was a, a focused goal to make it to Broadway, which was really exciting. It was the first time I had ever been a part of something like that. Um, it was tough, though, because we got so close. We got, you know, we were in Berkeley. We were breaking their box office records at the time. Um, and so we were like, oh, this is, yeah, this is for sure. Like, we we got a little cocky about it. We were like, oh, yeah, we're going to go in like three months. We're going to be there. Um, and we ended the run after, I think it was three extensions um, with no Broadway house. And the kick in the face that that was, you know, just getting so close and then having that door kind of slammed on you. And the only thing they said was, we're, we're, we're trying to work something out for May, for May-ish. Uh, it wouldn't be Broadway, but they're working on something. I was like, great. In my head, I was like, all right, we're going to tour and they're going to make this the first national tour. And then once the tour does well, we'll go to Broadway. And then they announced the pre-Broadway tour. And I was like, see, see, this, mm, I knew it. I knew it. Um, but it only had three uh, cities on it. It had D.C., L.A., and uh, Toronto. And L.A. is actually where I did my first little stint with Built for the Stage. Um, so that was, it helped me get ready for the show. Um, really, truly. Um, but yeah, it was it was tough because we were on the road and there was still this thing of like, are we going to get there? Or is are they just going to keep tacking on cities, you know? Um, and then it was just before we opened in L.A. that they gathered us all on the stage and announced that we'd be going uh, in the spring, well, early spring. Um, and I mean, it was a very surreal, very surreal moment because then we had to turn around and do the show, right? <laughs> we couldn't yeah. really sit in it. It wasn't one of those things where like Broadway didn't call, right? Like they, they got us together and it was like, oh my God. And I was sobbing because that's all I know how to do. Um, I just, I, if any, anyone who knows me knows that I'm just a crybaby. It just, it is, it's in my genes and that's okay. You know what? Listen, I'm going to own it. <laughs> so we, you know, we did that and then we dried our tears and then we were in, you know, previews and, you know, we had a show to do that night. Um, so it was really no rest for the wicked, uh, in that situation. <laughs> But it was great because then we got to do like a victory lap, right? We had LA and Toronto to be like, ah, this the show that's going the Broadway. Um, yeah. And that was a lot of fun. So, and yeah, and then it was, we stopped that in November and then we opened in March. Uh, so we had a little bit of a break in between. Um, I, sold, I sold some merch for some shows in between to, to make some money. Because, um, you know, you can't, you can't stop, right? The hustle doesn't stop. And I think that was that was really interesting because I was working at the Hamilton store, which is right across the street from our theater. So I watched mm -hmm. them put up the marquee while I was working at the Hamilton store, which was which was also very surreal. Um, but that I mean that's that's pretty much it. That was that was the journey. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Tell us, tell us about that, like how that, how that was, that in-between. I love stuff like that. I find that I get riled up. I get inspired when I hear just like the hustle doesn't stop, you know? What, what was that like? You, you got done with the mini tour. You're waiting on Broadway and you're, you're selling merchandise at the Hamilton store. Are you just, are you grateful knowing your time's coming or like, how was it? You know, I'm gonna be honest because it's you and built for the stage, you know, and so I'm always trying to trying to give y'all the real. Um, it was tough. It was it was really frustrating um, because uh, love love to Jeremy Pope, but Jeremy Pope was already doing another show, right? And it was one of the reasons we had to wait. We had to let Choir Boy get into their run before we could start taking him away for rehearsals and for tech, and then to do shows. Um, so it's one of those things where um, I just, I was a little frustrated because it took me a while to to kind of get in this mindset of like, it's coming and I just have to wait for it, right? Because I had already waited a year and a half or so, right? Um, so it was a little tough uh, where I was like, all right, well, now it's here, but I can't, I can't have it yet. Uh, and mm. that was that was hard because then I also would be, you know, selling merch for a show like Hamilton, which is one of my dream shows. Um, so I'd be sitting there listening to the music and I'm like, I just want to be on stage, you know. But I also knew that, like, I couldn't be financially irresponsible and like go in the red waiting for Broadway to come. Like Broadway is not going to fix all of my, you know, my problems. It's not going to change you know, everything if I go there broke, you know? So I was like, all right, I've got to do something. Um, you know, and there were moments where people would give me lip as I was staring at my theater, you know? I was just like, if you knew. But that was the cool thing, right? That was the thing for me is that it then reminded me, that's right, like, you have to treat everyone with the same respect you would, you know, the people you look up to because you never know who's who especially in our industry, you never know which waiter is writing that musical that's about to win the Tony next year. Like, you never know. And we hear stories about it all the time. But it was so true. I mean, I will never forget, you know, some lady yelling at me because, you know, I wasn't ringing her up fast enough and she thought she was going to miss the show even though it was two hours later. What I don't know. Whatever it was, where I was just like, lady, if you knew, like, if you knew... That like literally you're gonna be paying two hundred and some odd dollars to see me on stage soon, like that's what's because mm -hmm. <laughs> she even talked yeah. about it. She was like, "Oh, I'm so excited for Ain't Too Proud. It's gonna be great. I'm so." And I was like, 
if you just go across, like my face is on that door. Like, <laughs> you know, so it was just, it was very surreal, but it also was super humbling. Right. Um, so it was a mixture of, of a very positive, like self reinforcement and also the, the, the humbling experience of like, yeah, but at any time you can be selling some t-shirts <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. A hundred percent. I love that story in the theater world. I love it in the fitness space where you might be on top of your game one day and then you either have a setback, an injury, maybe you go through a little bit of a, a mental struggle and that brings your fitness down as well. But hey, this is a, I like to call it a, a highway with no exits. Yeah. You know, we're on this thing for the long haul and you just got to keep moving forward uh, no matter what peak or valley you're in at the moment. Absolutely. Thank you so so much for sharing that. I hope that everyone listening gets a lot out of that, especially in these times. Um, I'm taking a lot for sure. So thanks for being transparent there. Um, you mentioned uh, Dominique and that relationship or connection that like meant a lot to you starting out. Do you have any other influential people that really – just set you on a path that you could look back and be grateful for? I've, I've got so many to, to be completely on it. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, don't, don't know. This is a no judgment zone. Uh, but I was doing one of those, uh, random acceptance speeches that you do in the shower, you know, every once in a while where you're like, Oh, well, if I got this award, what would this sound like? Um, but it got me thinking to like, who got me here, right? How did I get to this spot? And it's such a like built by a village situation, right? Um, in a way that I didn't realize until I got older and until I could like sit back and really think on it. Um, but I had mentors from when I was younger. Um, people like, uh, and these people are just community people that no one would know, you know what I mean? But there were people in my life like Woody Cadet, um, like uh, Willie Butts down in Florida, like uh, Pablo Malco also down in Florida, like all of them are down in Florida, but those, those these are, were, these are theater artists. No. So that's the crazy thing. So two of them are dancers and one of them was just a community leader. Right. Um, but there was this situation where they would just always take care of me in a way that was like, um, that was just so, uh, comforting and nurturing. And it was a situation of like, where we know you're special. Right. We know you've got something. So they kept me out of trouble. Right. They, they, they got me to dance, you know, practice or whatever it was that I needed to be at. Um, so that was the first thing. And like Woody would come to my shows like he didn't miss a show. Um, Leslie Shell's another one. Uh, and then then Steve, Steve H. Broadnax third, who uh, is a director. He's the head of the MFA program at Penn State. Um, He's director, writer, I mean, does it all. Um, but he took me under his wing in college. And that was life-changing. Because um, he was the first person that let me express myself as a Black artist um, as well. And to be, to be proud of that fact. And not try to fit some kind of mold or anything like that. Um, so that was absolutely can you go can you go into that a little bit more how was that what what did that transition entail like uh specifically where that just freed you up to be who you were yeah absolutely um 
it was it's a fascinating transition, right? Um, because in specifically in musical theater, right, there's so often a um, kind of a crutch of fitting molds, right? You've got to fit into this mold, like be this or, you know, um, uniqueness isn't really allowed unless you're on the front of it, right? So like with Ain't Too Proud, I got to create my character, right? So I could be my unique self in that role. But usually you're fitting roles that are already done by somebody else. And, you know, so there's things, there's cookie cutter things that need to exist. And then on top of that, most of the roles that I was trying to fit in weren't created for me to begin with, right? They weren't created for my body or for my experience to begin with. Um, so there was this sense of always having to be a chameleon or always having to, you know, squish myself into a space that felt um, acceptable or, you know, easy to understand or easy to, you know what I mean? Um, but Steve opened my eyes to a lot of the black theater repertoire. He introduced me to Dominique's work, to August Wilson's work, you know, and things like that. Uh, introduced me to the foundations of hip hop theater and that it already existed, right? That was one thing that I was, I was always super passionate about, but didn't really know that it was around. But hip hop theater has been around. Like, I mean, we talk about Hamilton and In the Heights. Um, those were commercial successes in, in musical theater, but people have been writing hip hop musicals long before them. And I feel like that was a massive thing for me. And I hope for, you know, people listening to realize that, that people have been doing the work for a long time. Um, and the, you know, the theater, the oppressed and, and things like that. Um, so and then we did shows that had hip hop in it. And he let me help choreograph Blood at the Root. So I got to do, you know, I got to be entrenched in who I was as a human being. I got to put my experiences and cultures and specific talents to use where usually I was shutting all of those away to try to be what I, you know, what people wanted me to be or what I needed to be. Um, so opening that up just transformed me really, because then I could take me and instead of trying to fit a form, I was like, this is what it looks like on me. It became a cope, right? It became a way of like, yeah, I'm going to do this role, but I'm going to do it like me. Uh, and that's, a hundred times better and it's a hundred times more authentic and is going to feed my soul a hundred times more than trying to, you know, break my body down into a way that, you know, you think you want to see. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that must have just been, I don't know, like a gust of wind behind you, just like surging you forward out of, you know, maybe an idle place where you felt stuck. For sure. I mean, it also was one of those things, though, where like when I was in it, I didn't realize how massive it was. Right. Like when I was when I was a part of it, it was just like, oh, I'm doing stuff. Right. I'm doing. Oh, you need me to do this? I got you. And you need me to do this? I got you. Right. Oh, I'll read that. Cool. We can talk about it. Right. Um, and it just felt very natural. And it was just one of those things where it was like, OK, cool, I'm just in it. But it wasn't until I took a step back and realized how much I had grown as an artist, right? Um, I also, uh, you know, shout out Kikora Franklin, who's a professor at Penn State, the dance professor, uh, who pushed me to my limits, right? Um, 
but it was one of those things where I was like, this is training, right? This is just training. What I didn't realize is they were training me mentally. You know, they were training my soul to be a part of the art, right? Uh, they were helping me carve out the artist that I could be. Um, but that you can't see that while you're carving, right? When, when a sculptor's sculpting, they, you're not going to be able to see what the form is until they step away. Um, and so it really wasn't until, they, until I, took, I, I took a step back and realized, oh, right, that's where I get, you know, um, I've been writing a lot more in, in the COVID times. Um, and I look at my writing and I go, oh, that would have never happened if I didn't have the experience that I had with Kikora and Steve. Wow, cool. Awesome testament to them. Yeah. Uh, last, last question as we wrap up the episode here. Uh, I like to ask this one a lot uh, during the pandemic times, like you said. Uh, Fast forward, you get to go back to Ain't Too Proud. You get to step on the stage. What will you take with you from the pandemic that you might have learned or acquired? And what will you leave behind? I know the pandemic for me, just to give like an example, is that since the world stopped, quote unquote, in a way, it let you look back and realize that there might have been some things in life that just happened organically because of the speed of our day to day, especially in New York. Right. And once I slowed down, I realized like, oh, when we get back to the everyday, I need to remember like, I don't need that. <laughs> so when you get back on the stage, what's one thing you're going to take with you? And what's one thing you'll make sure you leave behind? Definitely. Um, I love this. This is great. Uh, I think the one thing I would, um, I'm definitely going to take with me is, um, is the thing, and it's kind of also the thing I'm leaving behind. The thing I'm taking with me is a, an energy and an acceptance that my ideas are worthy of exploration, right? Um, because what I'm leaving behind is, the crippling self-doubt, right? So not just self-doubt, because we're always going to have that little voice in our head that's telling us, but the crippling self-doubt that stopped me from writing for over 10 years, right? I wanted to write back when I was in high school, but I always thought that maybe I just wasn't good enough. Maybe that wasn't my thing. So I made excuses. I don't have the time, right? Like you were talking about, oh, we're in the, the, the hustle and flow of things. Like I don't have time to sit down and write. I don't have, you know. And so when COVID hit, I had the time. So it was one of those things where I had to then put, you know, pen to paper, aka, you know, fingers to keyboard. Um, but it hasn't gone poorly, right? It's uh, people have reacted positively to what I'm writing. And I was like, Oh, well, crap, if I had started this earlier, you know, who knows what could be happening now. Um, but that and then the other thing, and this is a funny anecdote. Um, we went to Japan with rent. And when we went to Japan, of course, everyone was wearing face masks on like pu public transit and things like that. I got back to the States and I was like, you know what I want to do? I'm going to make a designer mask company, right? And then I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to get the cool kids over there wearing it and it'll go viral. And so then the kids in America start wearing them. You know, it'll just be a fashion thing. Like, you know, we get Gucci over, you know, over the, the mouth and it'll be, you know, it'd be all Gucci. Um, 
so that was my idea. And I was like, nah, never mind. I'm not going to do it. If I had known that a global pandemic was going to hit, you know, me and Jeff Bezos would be sipping on some, some Mai Tais. So, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where, and who knows, like, really, I probably wouldn't have been able to get off the ground anyway. But it was that thing hey, of like, you, don't, don't you do never that. know. <laughs> Go back. You're, you're right. You're, just... you're right. We cut that out. Take that part out. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Who knows? You know what I mean? But it's, it's uh, that self-crippling doubt of just stopping yourself and not finding out the what if, right? And, let other people try to stop your what if. Like, don't you stop your what if. There's enough obstacles out there in life. You know, there's enough naysayers. Like, haters got their job to do. Let them do that, right? Don't do it to yourself, right? Uh, if, if, if you're not rooting on your team, uh, you know, that's, that that's self-sabotage, you know? Sabotage is yeah. sabotage. So I'm, I'm sick of sabotaging myself. So that's what I'm not going to do. Uh, and I'm going to keep letting my ideas, you know, grow and, and see, see what happens with them. I love that. I say that all the time to clients. Allow yourself to succeed. Allow yourself. Just let yourself succeed. Because a lot of the times it's just you holding yourself back. So amazing. Thank you so much, Christian, for taking this time to join us on Bill for the Stage podcast. Thank you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Our pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Bill for the Stage podcast. Once again, if you want to try that free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode. You can work with a coach. You can get fitness training, nutrition guidance, and how you can marry those things together with your life in theater. All right. Until next time, Joe Roscoe signing off. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.